Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. Hope everyone had a great weekend. This is a Monday edition of the show, which means we'll have roll call later on in today's show at 420. But today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the new Bucks offensive coordinator, Dave Canellis, and which Bucks players on offense will benefit the most from having a new offensive coordinator. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, fresh off of a visit to one of his favorite places in the world, Manhattan. I'm not talking about New York. I'm talking about Manhattan, Kansas. Coming back from K-State, it is Scott Reynolds. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing great. I saw Kansas State Wildcat victory over Iowa State in a little thing we call Farmageddon between That's Kansas right. State and Iowa State. So that was fun. Got to see my daughter, Ellie. I took my wife, Ashley, and my daughter, Jillian, out there. So we saw some snow on Thursday, which was cool. Haven't seen some snow no since probably Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine a couple of years ago. So that was fun. Little flurries, nothing too much. But uh, we were out there freezing for a day or two then it warmed up and uh, it was a good visit uh, it's always nice to to be back in Manhappiness. good glad to hear i uh full honesty i bet on kansas state to win on saturday because i there knew you were go. going to the game and i like yeah. the good juju of oh i know someone in the building yep. and what a heck of a comeback they were down by a lot at yep. halftime and then made a great uh push into the second half so shout out to the wildcats basketball team yep. gonna make a great run for march madness but scott since you've last been on the show a lot of news has happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, most specifically, as That's we right. talked about, Dave Canellis coming to the Bucs from Seattle. Yeah. He will be their new offensive coordinator. And you've written some stories about Dave Canellis, bring team, especially um, in the run game and the type of person that he is. But I know the pewter people are dying to know verbally your thoughts about Dave Canellis as the new offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, I really like this this move. I, I know it's coming late, right? They've interviewed 10 offensive coordinators, uh, candidates, including Dave Canales, and he doesn't have any uh, play-calling experience. Uh, that's certainly a, a possible detriment. At the same time, you know, Tony Dungy was not a, a head coach until he was. Um, a guy like Zach Taylor, right, the Bengals head coach, was not a play-caller until he was. Kyle Shanahan was not a play-caller until he was. Uh, the list goes on and on, right? So you have to give people an opportunity to succeed or fail before you can pass judgment on them, right? And so it, we've seen plenty of retreads around this league, guys that keep getting jobs as mm -hmm. position coaches, as as play callers, as head coaches. And there's always this outcry of, well, you're just hiring retreads, right? And, and so why not give somebody else a, a chance? And this guy, he's been exposed to multiple different schemes and, and, and systems. He's He's been with four different offensive coordinators in his 13 years in Seattle, from Jeremy Bates to Brian Schottenheimer to uh, uh, Daryl Bevel to yeah. uh, Shane Waldron, the most recent one. So he's he's seen some some different uh, you know play callers in action. I think the the playbook he'll be bringing to the Buccaneers will be vast. I think that that he's had a lot of exposure to some different systems. But, Matt, with one common theme, right? Pete Carroll likes to run the ball. And he understands that this is a pass-first league. Pete Carroll does, and so does, of course, Dave Canales. And, and even Todd Bowles, Matt. Todd Bowles knows mm -hmm. this is a pass-first league. That's why he and Jason Light, they brought in a bunch of quarterbacks coaches, a wide receivers coach, right, in, in Keenan McCardell, some passing game coordinators. But they're looking for someone that can do a better job of marrying the ground game and making the Buccaneers' offense more balanced. It doesn't mean that they're going to be run first. It doesn't mean that they're going to run uh, half of the plays and, and pass half of the time. But what they don't want to do is have a, such a, a lopsided offense and we saw that, Matt, all throughout this season, whether it was the Kansas City game where they ran, what, six times for three yards or four yards, mm. whatever it was, uh, it, it was it was an abomination. This was back in week four. Or even having Tom Brady drop back and throw over 60 times in that Dallas Cowboys playoff loss where the Buccaneers just gave up on the run, didn't try to run, weren't successful at running, et cetera. So I think that's what Canales is going to bring. He's going to do a better job of marrying the ground game with the Bucks pass first approach. 
I also like the fact that he's a wide receivers coach, right? At mm-hmm. heart, he was a wide receiver at Azusa Pacific. And uh, you look at at Seattle, and I mean, they've got a pair of thousand yard receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And he started off as a wide receivers coach in Seattle with the Seahawks. He's coached the, the likes of Doug Baldwin, um, uh, who's uh, who's the other guy I'm trying to think of, Golden Tate, right? Some of those guys that, that were there yeah. even before Tyler Lockett came into the mix as a Percy Harvin, probably a little yeah, bit too. Right. So he, he knows how to make the passing game go. Seattle with Russell Wilson was a vertical based passing attack. They like to take their deep shots. So I think you're going to see more explosive plays than we saw from the Buccaneers last year. You know, and, and listen, you can't blame Tom Brady for wanting to hang in the pocket behind a shaky offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was you know, part of, of the fault goes to Brady and not being able to, to hit some of those downfield plays. Uh, the, his mechanics were a bit off because he was rushing some throws because he didn't trust the offensive line. So hopefully the offensive line will be a better product under Dave Canales than it was last year under Byron Lefwich. But you're going to see uh, a little bit more of, of a vertical attack and certainly the intermediate uh, stuff. That's that's where really DK Metcalf and Tyler uh, Lockett have thrived. And, and then a more efficient ground game. I think that's going to be a, a big key for the Buccaneers is when you run, be better at it than than you were last year when they averaged just over three yards a carry. And that, of course, ranked last in rushing yards with 75 yards a game. I do want to talk about the offensive line because we did get a super chat. And I promise we'll get to that in just a moment. But to further add to what you were saying, don't expect the Bucks to run the ball on first down. It's just yeah. a matter of making sure that Canales runs the ball effectively. And I yeah. love the fact that, you know, he worked for some of the coaches that you mentioned, like Bevel worked for Brad Childress and Brad Childress worked for Andy Reid. So you're coming yeah. from a little bit of the Andy Reid playbook and, and coach Waldron, who he's just been with, uh, with Seattle came from Sean McVay in Los Angeles. So even though he's com- been completely under Pete Carroll, I really do think yeah. it's going to be cool that he's going to take a little bit from Andy Reid, a little bit from coach Carroll, both Super Bowl winning coaches, Sean McVay, another Super Bowl winning coach. So yeah. I love that there's going to be this exact this blend, and it's not going to be a perfect science. And the fact that he's never called plays before, we can guesstimate and make a hypothesis about, oh, we're going to see a lot of this, a lot of that. What I can tell you is we're going to see more play action. We're going to see more yes. throwing on first down, which is music to every ear of the Bucs fans out there. And as a former wide receivers coach, He's going to be licking his chops getting to work with Mike Evans and Chris Goppin. I mean, we just rattled yeah. off a number of very talented receivers in their own right over uh, in Seattle. But when you get to work with some of the best of the best future Hall of Famer and Mike Evans, yeah. I mean, that's still an upgrade for him sure. right there. I uh, want to get to this super chat from LDBC's Most Wanted. Thank you very much for the 999 super chat, yeah. LDBC. He says, I love your, or they say, I love your idea of moving Werfs to left tackle. What do you think of Leverett at left guard? He held it down, but I think we need to invest more in the fat guys. Is there any <laughs> defensive tackles worth checking out at pick 19? Well, um, it, it really depends, right? It depends on on, um, on who they're going to re-sign along the defensive line. Remember, they just spent a premium pick on Logan Hall, who was the the second, I should say, the, the first pick in the second round, Tampa Bay's first pick in last year's draft. And they expect him to to gain some weight, use last year's experience to step into a starting role opposite Vita Vea, who just signed a big hefty contract extension, not this year, but the year prior. So does it mean that they're not going to draft a defensive tackle at number 19? I'm not going to say that they aren't, but we have to go into free agency, Matt. Is Will Golston going to return? Uh, exactly. Are they interested in bringing Akeem Hicks back on a one-year cheap kind of deal? Um Rakeem Nunez Rocha. Yeah, Nacho. Yeah, I, I think he might be back, but it just depends. How many how many holes are there? And is that going to be the biggest need for the Buccaneers at number 19? So we'll have to see. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that that's necessarily the case. Now, when you know you asked the question, and I'll answer it, are there any defensive tackles worth drafting at number 19? And it's gonna be interesting to see how. You know, the NFL combine shakes out with some of these these players. You you look at Jalen Carter from Georgia. He's not going to be there. He's going to be a top three overall pick. Mm. Uh, Kalaja Kansi from Pitt. Is he going to weigh in at six foot 284? 
is he going to be six feet tall? I don't know. I mean, Deidre Sonat, Matt, is uh, is six foot, 310 pounds, right? And Kalaja Kansi is supposedly 30 pounds lighter than Deidre Sonat, who is a backup defensive tackle. Now, Kalaja Kansi has got some unreal quickness, but I don't think he's the second coming of Aaron Donald. Donald is a strong man uh, who is bigger than Kalaja Kansi. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not sure. Brian Brees. Uh, or Brian Brisey from uh, from Clemson. Uh, I don't think he's going to necessarily be there at number 19. And then you're getting into the likes of Mazzy Smith from Michigan, who's a bigger guy, 6'3", 337. Uh, Siaka Ika from Baylor is, is more of a Vita Vea type player at 6'4", 358 pounds. Um, Keanu Benton was a player at Wisconsin. And these last three guys I mentioned, uh, Smith, uh, Ika, and and Benton, they're not first-round mm-hmm. talent. So I wouldn't necessarily say that, that they're an answer at 19. But it's an okay class, a defensive tackle. But I don't know that it's one necessarily mad of spending you know, a, a first-round pick on. I don't think it's, it's that worthy of a class. Right. I, I don't think so either, especially if – I think a lot of this really depends on the improvement and the maturation of Logan Hall. If they truly feel that Logan Hall can step in, obviously yeah. not the same size and type of player that Akeem Hicks is, but if they believe that Logan Hall can step in and be another starter next to Vita right. Vea, bring that quickness, bring a little bit more pass rushing than Akeem Hicks did. Obviously, Akeem Hicks only had that one yeah. sack, and it came in the last game of the season. If Logan Hall is ready for the job, then I don't think there's any way that the Bucks spend a first round pick, especially if they bring back Nacho or Pat O'Connor, or even yeah. Deidre Sanat, you know, you obviously have to have depth, yeah. but you know, in a crazy world where, and I don't think it's going to happen, but if the Bucks somehow are able to, you know, come together on a deal with Jamel Dean, it would be very surprising. And a lot of Bucks right. fans would be happy. Then you go, all right, well, maybe defensive tackle is the way to go in yeah. the first round. So I think a lot of this really weighs on um, Logan Hall and to answer the first part of the question about, uh, you know, Werfs and and Leverett. I like Nick Leverett as the starting guard. I don't yeah. think he should be handed the position. I agree. But obviously he was an upgrade after Luke Gedeke, um yeah. got injured and obviously had subpar play. Right. So I, I do think it's funny. Last year I would have said like Aaron Stinney was the leader going into the in the clubhouse for training yeah. camp and then he got injured and we all know the, the rest of the story. This year mm-hmm. I think um, Leverett is the guy that yeah. is the leader in the clubhouse. But a lot is going to change. Do the Bucks spend – you know, a second or a third round pick on an offensive guard. You had one right. going in your latest mock draft. So Steve I think, Avila from TCU. Yeah, from TCU. Round, yeah. So uh, a lot of a lot of cards are on the table yeah. right and now. You I, can't, I do like you can't forget about Robert Hainsey either, right? Hainsey, yes. Ryan Jensen comes back and he's ready to go. And, you know, he's he's fully healthy from that knee, which he should be after, you know, missing the entire season play just in one game in that, that playoff game. Uh, so you've got Ryan Jensen at center that now you can throw Hainsey into the mix with the full year's worth of experience in the interior of that offensive line to compete with Leverett, may the best man win. And maybe Luke Gedeke is in that mix, or maybe as as the uh, the Super Chat kind of forecasted, and we've kind of done some speculating that maybe this team decides to go in a different direction to left tackle and move Tristan Wirfs from right to left, Matt, and then cutting or trading Donovan Smith. Uh, I wrote about it in today's Monday Mailbag. The Bucks probably will be lucky to get a, a, a day three pick, a late mid to late day three pick uh, for Donovan Smith after the, the bad year he had. But then if that's the case, then maybe Luke Edeke, who played his best game of the year at right tackle in week 19, surprise, surprise, the position he played at Central Michigan, maybe that's the answer on the offensive line. And it's funny, Gedeke was one of the first guys that came to mind when we talked about this topic and and who's going to benefit most from from Dave Canales. I think Gedeke, and we don't even know if he's going to start, there's probably a good chance that he's not the starter, at least at yeah. the beginning of the year, unless they they go the route with Donovan Smith that we talked about. But what I get from Dave Canales and just reading about yeah. him, watching some of the Seahawks is they're not going to put Luke Gedeke in a situation that he can't handle. And right. we saw that a lot with Byron Leftwich, the infamous Steelers game, when they That's were right. asking, you know, one guard to pull and a, and another center and a guard to to cut block right. on a play with Cam Hayward. It wasn't. It was just not going to work. But I think with more of an effective run game, I think you're going to see some of these tackles go out in space. And we know, like Donovan Smith, if he's here, he's pretty good in space. Tristan right. Wirfs obviously can jump out of a pool. He can move around. But I think yeah. that would actually help Luke Gedeke as well. And then if he still stays inside. 
I don't think they're going to make Edeki do anything that he's not at least comfortable doing. Now, right. if he's not comfortable performing in a lot of ways, then maybe he shouldn't be the starter in the first place. But I think you're going to get a more protected Luke Edeki while he continues to develop. So right. to answer the um, you know, the title of today's show, Gadicki was one of the first guys that stood out to me for there's just the way he's going to use the offensive lineman and just overall a more effective run game. Yeah, that's true. And, and listen, again, um, we don't know if Dave Canales is going to succeed or fail, right? Jeff Jagzinski, we, we've seen some some references to him. Uh, fail as the Bucks offensive coordinator, didn't even call a play. But it's fair to note that he came from the college ranks where he was the head coach of Boston College. And it's a big jump, right? I mean, Jagosinski didn't call plays. Uh, uh, Tedford, Jeff Tedford, oh. who was a former Cal coach and coached uh, Trent Dilfer at Fresno State, he was uh, was also kind of a failed guy uh, in in that role. It's a big jump from college to pro, and we saw the Buccaneers didn't even outside of Todd Munkin, who's had NFL experience before with the Bucks and the Browns, they did not you know, bother with anyone from the college ranks. I think maybe for that reason, because Nick Saban was not successful at the NFL level in Miami. (laughs) It's a big jump. It's a different game, right? It it just is. So we'll see. I mean, I'm going to give uh, Dave Canales the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Tony Dungy was not the first pick in Tampa for the head coach. He was not the popular hire. Buck fans and even the Glaziers wanted Steve Spurrier, Jimmy Johnson, one of those guys to be, the head coach of the Buccaneers replacing Sam White in 96. It didn't happen. So they had to go kind of an underground uh, route and and get, you know, a guy that, that, that didn't have a lot of buzz about him and Tony Dungy. And, and Dungy ended up being, you know, fantastic. He ended up being the right coach for the right team at the right time to help get the Buccaneers, you know, out of the quagmire that they had been in. And we'll see about Canales. He's either going to be successful or he's not. But we have to give him the opportunity to see before we can pass judgment. Absolutely. And the Bucs were a little bit hand-tied, which is why they're in the situation. Why Canales was able to take advantage of the situation and become an offensive yeah. coordinator. Clearly a step up in his career. It's a great career move for him. He will have his doubters, of course. But one thing yeah. you can never doubt That's is right, the deliciousness Matt. of a Celsius energy drink. They got new flavors out right now. Drinking the, the lemon-lime right now. Nice. Lemon-lime has quickly moved up the charts, moved up the ladder. Is one of my favorite flavors of uh celsius but you know we love celsius the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast seven essential vitamins go to your local 7-eleven or bodega as i like to say and get one of those new flavors today that's celsius energy drinks hashtag celsius lip fit hashtag celsius energy got to give a shout out to our guy leighton carter uh was tweeting at us today he had a a celsius this morning so uh shout out to Layton, if you are watching right now, we're also going to have roll call in just a moment. Oh, that's Scott. right. Yeah. I like that. But uh, we did get a super chat, and I do want to honor the super chat before we get yep. the long list of uh, fans. So, shout out to Eric Forrest for the 499 super <clears throat> chat. Thank you, Eric. Uh, he says, I like Coquifed, but was the addition of the fullback the worst thing to happen to the run game this year? I'm actually a proponent of the fullback. I'm not saying it should be ran for all 55 plays yeah. on an offense. But Coquif, I mean, he was a late-round pick. They lined him up on the line of scrimmage as well. I don't yeah. think having a fullback in the backfield was the reason why the, the run game was so porous. I agree. And and uh, from what I'm hearing, Coquif is going to play a big role in this offense as a fullback. He'll see some time at tight end. But when they want to go to a two-back set, uh, I think you're going to see more Coquif in the backfield. And, again, Coquif, like anybody, Rashad White, Kadon, and any of these these rookies from last year, they're going to get bigger in the weight room. Logan Hall, yeah. Luke Gedeke, bigger, faster, stronger. Instead of worrying about the combine, instead of doing the the you know the the, the pro days, the car the, wash the, of interviews, the, yeah, the, the the top thirty you know visits to other teams, they're going to spend their their entire offseason training, getting stronger, bigger, faster. With an NFL strength and the conditioning program, I think that's going to help Coquif a lot, and hopefully the Bucks' running game as a result. And Coquif scored a touchdown last year, so he did have he did. some contributions to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. But it is four twenty, so it is that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for roll call. Where you at, Peter? People, we have awesome fans, not just in Tampa, not just in Florida, but around the globe, both in the U.S. and internationally. And we like to do this every single Monday. So if you're new to the show, 
one of us is going to go on a rant today. That will be Scott. Not necessarily a rant, but just a something you want to say, something you might want to get off your chest. And and Scott's going to talk about his Bucks related topic. And in the meantime, all of our awesome pewter people, if you're in the chats right now, start putting in your location of where you are watching from, and we will put it up on the screen, just like Long Lost Glazer saying he's watching from Plant City, Florida, aka the math capital of the world. So start putting yep. up those locations. And I'll put them up on the screen while Scott uh, gets going. We love Mondays. It's just simply the best day. Uh, not for people to work because who likes to go to work on a Monday, right? It's usually kind of a drag. But for the Monday podcast, uh, we love it because we get to hear where you guys are watching and viewing the show from. So uh, obviously the news broke last week about Dave Canales. And uh, and one of the stories I wrote about was the Bucks running game and how it's hopefully going to be better and more efficient. That's the plan, at least, with Dave Canales. If you look at Seattle, they've done, they've done two things exceptionally well over the last couple of years. Over the last decade, they've drafted 12 running backs. 12. Folks, that is a commitment to the ground game. And uh, it, it has certainly helped and shown up in the likes where a player like Marshawn Lynch, for example, uh, who was not one of the draft picks I'm talking about during that decade, but he was a veteran that helped the Seahawks get to the Super Bowl, probably should have gotten that carry instead of that Russell Wilson interception at the one yard line the Seahawks could have been Super Bowl champs but Pete Carroll and you know and the coordinators he's had in Seattle they have really emphasized the ground game and it helps to have the balance if you look Kansas City actually outrushed Philadelphia in the Super Bowl to provide some balance to the Chiefs offense to keep the Eagles pass rush at bay because they had to worry about uh, Ivan Pacheco and then you look at the Eagles. Well, their ground game helped get them to the Super Bowl. Ironically, the 300-yard passer in that game was actually Jalen Hurts, not Patrick Mahomes. But Hurts certainly could do his, his damage on the ground as well as a running quarterback. So you're not going to see a running quarterback, per se, in Tampa. But what I liked about the Seahawks' approach, and I'm not advocating for them to draft a bunch of running backs, but it's that commitment. It's finding running backs. They've drafted a first-round running back in Rashad Penny, who, ironically enough, is a free agent, and he might come to Tampa on a cheap one-year deal. He's oft injured, but when he's healthy, he can be very productive. So that's a name to kind of you know put in the back of your mind. But they've also had some really good success with guys like like Alex Collins, who was a day three pick, and uh, Chris Carson, who was a, a day three pick, actually a seventh-round pick. So the Seahawks' ground game can can make you know anybody's ground attack better because of of not just their running scheme but also when they decide to run the ball it doesn't make sense necessarily for Tampa Bay to come out there and run the ball every first down when it's predictable and defenses are geared up to stop it throw the ball on first down run the ball on second and third down that's something that Seattle has has done and done quite well and what I like is the stat that I'll read from my story on pewterreport.com about the efficiency that Seattle's ground game has achieved. And, and that's something that Canales hopes to bring to Tampa Bay. From 2018 to 2022, the Seahawks ranked 2nd, 3rd, 17th, 27th, and 22nd in the league in rushing attempts. In those five years, they ranked 1st in rushing. And, of course, that's when they ranked second in the rushing attempts with 2,560 yards in 2018. Then when they ranked third in rushing attempts in 2019, they ranked fourth in rushing yards with 2,200. Then they finished 12th in rushing, 11th in rushing, and then last year 18th in rushing. They only had 2,042 yards in 2022, and that was the year they they actually we're 22nd in the league in rushing attempts. So, you know, the Seahawks ground game wasn't that spectacular last year. They had a 1,000-yard rusher in Kenneth Walker, the rookie, who missed, I think, a couple games due to injury. But, again, they finished 18th in rushing yards and 22nd in the league in rushing attempts. Well, why am I bringing all this up? Because Seattle has averaged 4.8 yards per carry in 2018, 4.6 yards per carry in 2019, 4.8 yards per carry in 2020, 5 yards per carry in 2021, and 4.8 yards per carry in 2022. So no matter if they were leading the league in rushing or a top five team or a top, or I should say a bottom 10 team, Matt, in rushing attempts and rushing yards, 
they still averaged 4.8 yards per carry, which means when they ran the ball, they ran the ball successfully. They ran the ball efficiently. They made the most of those runs, and it was a productive running game. And I think that's something that Tampa Bay, whether you know, you're a proponent of the running game or not, Todd Bowles wants to run the ball. They can't throw the ball every single down. It doesn't work. The Bucs proved that last year. Yeah. <laughs> so when this team does run, Matt, the hope is that Canals can bring some of that efficiency, some of that magic on the ground game. Because I'll tell you what, 4.8 yards per carry uh, in, in over a five-year stretch, that's certainly better than what the Buccaneers averaged last year, which is a feeble 3.4 yards per carry, which was easily the worst in the league. And that's why the Buccaneers averaged just – 75.6 yards on the ground. I believe the word you used in your article was paltry. And I remember yes. reading that and saying, yeah, that's a good word. That's a paltry 3.4 yards. But you're absolutely correct. You almost, I mean, you shouldn't. They always say, you're like, watch the tape. Don't scoreboard watch. But even if you're looking at stats to help your, you know, your point, you almost got to look at the stats within the stats. Because yeah. as you just said, you know, being 22nd in the league in, in rushing or rushing attempts, like that's not all that great. But then you look a little bit further. It's like, wow, almost five yards per attempt. All right. That's pretty good. And th that's why I'm really excited for a guy like Rashad White this season, yeah. because it, it does feel like if if the way that it's going, that as we predicted it, that Leonard Fournette won't be with the Bucks this season. Right. Rashad White's the guy, even if they do draft a running back this year, which most likely yeah. they will, obviously, to a lot of the points that you just made. There is still, and Rashad White is the perfect example of it. Rashad White didn't become the guy that we all kind of fell in love with. I mean, we liked right. him in training camp and things like that. But in terms of when the season was going on, it was that Germany game where Rashad White really became the guy that everyone is a big fan of now. So regardless of who's going to be the next rookie to come in, that first month, Rashad White, I think, is more or less going to be the bell cow in in the backfield for the Bucks as as the rookie kind of gets his footing. And I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn is what he is at this point, yeah. which is a third string, fourth string type of running back. So I'm excited for Rashad White to get in this new type of offense where Matt, I am too, man. They're going to feature him a lot more. And one, just getting him on the field more. I mean, that was half the battle last season. Was why right. are they splitting carries? Like, why is it? 70-30 in favor of Leonard over Rashad. I think one, just getting Rashad White on the field a lot more is going to be beneficial to everybody. And two, I mean, you want to talk about the passing game, and we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. We all know tight ends are security blanket, but Rashad White only had 290 receiving yards last year. He had two receiving touchdowns. That's right. I feel like there is so much untapped potential for Rashad White as a receiver that the Bucs just have not explored yet, maybe because they were down a lot and they had to go down the field, maybe just because there's a reason why Byron Leftwich isn't the offensive coordinator anymore. But right. I feel like there is so much more meat left on the bone for Rashad White that we haven't really gotten into. So fancy football-wise, yeah. he's a guy that I'm really high on for this year because Matt, especially made, that first month, he's going to be the guy. You made some outstanding points. And, and I think one of those points was the fact that you brought up that Germany game, right? Because, I mean, who's who's there at that game watching Rashad White get that 100 yards? And and there is the stiff arm right there that, that got him the angry, angry – run right from Kyle Brandt at NFL Network. Well, it was Dave Canales. He was there as the as the quarterback's coach for the Seahawks. So what what better way to make an impression on your your future play caller, unbeknownst to, to Rashad White or anybody at that time, but he certainly you know showed what he could do. And and uh you know I've heard that, that Dave Canales is, is really excited to work with with Rashad White and he was a fan of his coming out of the draft. So I think when, when Dave Canales has his press conference this week, don't be surprised if he really kind of gushes over Rashad White and his ability because that's that's what I've been hearing is that Canales is, is a big fan of Rashad White. And uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette, it's it's kind of the the you know the secret in the room, right? He he's gonna get released. Uh, he's gonna be a cap casualty. The Buccaneers are gonna go with Rashad White. And I think the other guy that's gonna get uh, some boost is going to be Keyshawn Vaughn, right? This is a, a former third-round pick. The Buccaneers have invested in him. He is not lit it up. He is, he's not going to be a starting caliber runner, I don't believe, but um, they want to give this guy more of an opportunity to carry the ball. He's done well in spurts. I was there at Tennessee with Josh Capo when, when Keyshawn Vaughn entered the game. I want to say it was the third quarter. 
he ripped off some big time runs. Maybe it was because he was back home in Nashville where he was a, a Vanderbilt Commodore yeah. at the time. I don't know, but, but uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's also in a contract year. And, and, you know, Matt, you and I both saw the strides that he made in training camp, right? Catching the ball out of the backfield. And, uh, and the problem is, is, and I, and I think what, what we're going to, what we've kind of known that we're going to kind of start to talk about a little bit more is how this Bucks coaching staff, whether it was Clyde Christensen, whether it was Byron Leftwich, whether it was Kevin Garver, whether it was Todd McNair, they preferred the veterans over the rookies and the younger players, right? There's no denying that, except for that, Tristan Wirfs. But again, they didn't have a choice there. They didn't have a choice, exactly. Yeah, uh, and 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 also, you know, the, Luke Gedeke, right? He was a second round pick. They traded up in the second round to get him. But I'm talking about, you know, th- they would they would turn to uh, Leonard Fournette more so than than uh, Rashad White. Rashad White. Uh, they would you know, maybe turn more to Giovanni Bernard when he was healthy over Keyshawn Vaughn. And, and you know, guys like uh, Jalen Darden probably didn't deserve it, but a guy like Devin Tompkins just didn't get as much as many opportunities as the Rashad Perrimans, the Scotty Millers down the stretch. Uh, so I, I think you're – we even saw it too, Matt, at the tight end position, right? Cade Otten, right, after scoring – you know, some big time touchdowns for this team when Cam Brake came back from whether it was was the, you know, the uh, the injuries he had or yeah. the, the neck injury, uh, the concussion. I mean, when Cam Brake came back, Kate Otten's role was diminished and Kate Otten's the better player at this stage of his career. And so I think you're going to see Dave Canales come in and and help a lot of these young players. Co-Keefe, Kate Otten, Rashad White, Keyshawn Vaughn, the a lot of these young guys are going to get an opportunity with a clean slate to compete with the draft picks that are going to be coming in, the veterans that are already on this team, and then the new veterans that they sign in free agency. And, of course, Dave Canales is going to be naturally biased towards West Coast guys with Rashad White going to Arizona <laughs> State and Kate Otten going to Washington. Yeah. I am just joking. I mean, you talk about the discrepancy between Leonard Fournette and Rashad White at running back. You can make the case it was almost even worse with Cam Brate and and um, and Kate Otten at tight end. Obviously, Leonard Fournette was still able to help out the Bucs, you know, good in the receiving game, was able to score touchdowns. Cam Brate, I totally get it, went through yeah. a number of injuries. But those serious injuries should have been the flashing light to say, all right, right. put in Kate Otten. And it wasn't just like Kate Otten was a body out there. Like we talked yeah. about Coquette earlier. Coquette had the one touchdown, more of a blocker. I think the Bucks' offense would have been kind of similar whether or not Coquette was on this team last year. But Kate Odden scored a game-winning touchdown, scored a game-tying touchdown. He was Mr. Second Half. Once he got going, he became – listen, he's not the second coming of Gronk. We all understand that. But he right. became a – I don't want to say weapon, but a factor in this offense. He was important to a struggling Buccaneers offense. We always talk about Tom Brady doesn't trust veterans. Well, he finally got on the same page with Kate yeah. Odden. Doesn't matter anymore because Brady's not here. But Kate Odden, I think maybe even more than Rashad. I, I would still put Rashad White one. But yeah, Kate Odden, I think, could make a huge, huge step forward this year just because remember all of his background. You know, he's yeah. a coach's son. He loves the game. Obviously, he's been around it his whole life. He, listen, all these players are going into a new offense, and not everybody's going to pick it up as quickly as everybody else. You know, Mike Mike Evans is on the same learning path as, you know, as Russell Gage or, or uh, you know, Ryan Jensen at this point. Yeah. You know, it's all the new offense that they're learning together at the same time. No one else on this team has really worked with Canales before. Right. So they all are kind of going in this together. I like having a guy such as Kate Otten that is – knows the game, studies it very hard. I'm willing to bet he's going to be one of the first guys that figures out this offense before anyone else on that side of the ball. Yeah, and Matt, and you mentioned Mike Evans. I mean, this yeah. this is a guy that that certainly could use some help, especially in the red zone, where inexplicably uh, Mike Evans was was no longer a factor in inside the red zone after week one. Look at this dramatic touchdown. Oh, amazing. Uh, it, you know, amazing it, well, picture. I, I shouldn't say week one. He also had a, a pair of touchdowns in week three. But if after week three, or actually week four against Kansas City, after week four, uh, boom. I mean, we didn't see Mike Evans getting some of those red zone opportunities for fades, for jump balls that uh, we had, we'd grown accustomed to seeing. And, you know, that's part of the of 
the the reason why Tampa Bay's red zone offense was so putrid last year. So I'd like to see Mike Evans have that resurgence in inside the red zone. Uh, again, we talked about the fact that that Dave Canales is a wide receiver in his in his background in college. He coached the position with Seattle. Um, it, the passing game is near and dear to his heart. He was a, a two-year passing game coordinator for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So guys like Evans, guys like Chris Godwin are going to flourish. And we've got some questions, right? Uh, is Chris Godwin going to be featured in his offense the way that the slot receiver position was featured in Bruce Arians' uh, attack? Maybe not as much, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that Chris Godwin will stay in the slot in, in this offense. He might move outside. We see in Seattle, there are times where Tyler Lockett lines up in the slot and he's out wide. Times where DK Metcalf is in the slot and he's out wide. We've seen Mike Evans also be very effective sometimes operating in the slot because of creating some mismatches. So, so it's it's going to be a fun discovery process to see what Dave Canales has in store for these wide receivers, not just the ground game, not just the yeah. tight ends, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I think you can pencil in Mike and Chris for a thousand yards each, as long as they stay healthy. That seemed to be what Seattle's offense was designed to do up there with, with Metcalf and Lockett. And, and I, I'm curious to see uh, if Mike is going to play more. That's that traditional mm-hmm. split end X type receiver, or if he's going to be moved around in this offense a little bit more in, maybe into the slot where he can create some mismatches against some smaller uh, slot corners. Scott, you absolutely read my mind when it came to Chris Godwin, because we all know Chris Godwin, when Bruce Arians got here, he played the Larry Fitzgerald role, and he played it extremely well. So I'm not knocking how the the Bucs utilized Chris Godwin even before he got injured. But I think because it became so convenient, oh, Chris Godwin can play in the slot. He does really well there. He can block well, too, so it's more beneficial to have him there. Yeah, I think we forget. Chris Godwin can line up outside too. And I'm excited for to see Chris Godwin line up a little bit more on the outside, kind of like in 2019 when he had his best season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up until he tore his ACL because he yeah. was crushing it then too. But I like the idea of getting Chris Godwin involved, getting creative with Chris Godwin in more ways than just, hey, let's throw him a swing pass. So yeah. I truly am excited for Chris Godwin to keep lining up on the outside or get him the ball in different creative ways where he can really take advantage of those yards after the catch, not just a two yard swing pass. And now you got to break five tackles. Right. That's not going to happen every single time. <laughs> That's right. Design it more creatively, line him up outside and make a play. Get Chris Godwin a crosser. How many yeah. times did Chris Godwin just get a crosser out? Last That's right. Year? It, That's it right. didn't, it didn't really feel like yeah. that much. And you know, sometimes running a simple, simple play works fine and works yeah. very effectively. So I'd almost like to see the box kind of, simplify things a little bit yeah. more get well, and you know what? and get creative in the run game but in the yeah. passing game i think simplify it a bit one of the things that todd munkin did really well when he was the offensive coordinator in tampa under dirk cutter was using some of those mesh concepts those yes those crossing routes across the middle where the, where you have some of those rub routes you use that uh that middle of the field referee or official yeah you know almost as, as as yeah as a, as a pick guy and 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 that helped kind of a long strider like Mike Evans, who's faster than he is quick, right? Uh, creates some separation close off the line of scrimmage. So and I, I think Chris Godwin could thrive in that as well. Will we see more of a traditional, you know, a slot type receiver, like a, kind of a, of a speed merchant guy, uh, you know, in, in, in that role with Chris and Mike on the outside? It's, it's going to be fun to see. We don't know if this is going to work or not. We don't know if Dave <laughs> no, Canales is going to be a miserable <laughs> failure or, you know, the next coming of, of Kyle Shanahan or somewhere in between. We don't know, but we're going to find out. And in the meantime, based upon what we've seen last year, and I say this as a cautionary tale because I'm sure that Buccaneer fans and the Glaziers were expecting better results after firing Greg Schiano from a 4-12 and season. So before I say it can't get any worse, I will – throw that caveat out there because it actually did get worse with Lovey Smith in 2014. They went from four and 12, Matt to two and 14, as you remember. So it can get worse, but I'm hopeful that things get better with Dave Canales, that they run the ball better, that they certainly score more points. They're more efficient in the red zone and better on third downs. And if that's the case, then, you know, this Buccaneer team still has a chance in the NFC South, but Listen, credit Todd Bowles for for going with uh, with a younger guy, rolling the dice on on some younger, innovative guy that that 
that has has some experience at the NFL level, but is is a green play caller. And we'll see how it goes. It, it's easy to go with, with a retread. It's easy to go with the guy who's been there and done that, who's been fired a couple times and, and part of the good old boy network. Bulls elected not to do that. So let's see if it pays off. The other interesting thing is he didn't go out and get Carl Doral, a guy who who Bulls had up in New York as, as yeah. the Jets wide receivers coach that he's coached with. He's letting Canales bring in guys, and we see Idzik coming in as, mm-hmm. as the receivers coach. He's allowing him to come in and pick some of these assistants. And, and I think that says a lot about Todd Bowles. Uh, he's he's going all in and putting his chips out there. He's a gambling man. He's not playing it safe, bringing in, you know, some of, of, of his guys that he's coached with before. Some of those, you know, maybe retreads. And I'm not saying that there won't be one or two of those guys that joins the staff. I, I don't know. But I, I like what I'm seeing so far. It's a bold move from Bowles. And listen, if you're going to go out, you might as well go out with, with chambers empty. And, exactly. and I think that's that's what Bowles is doing no, right I, now. He's I like firing it. all rounds. I like it. They're carving their own path. Bowles is carving his own path, going with Canellis and Canellis, obviously, or Canellis um, betting on himself, yeah. obviously, is carving his own path. It was good that you brought up the history uh, of the Bucks with their coaches um, in in recent decades, because Bucks fans should just prepare to to heed with caution. All right, we're optimistic yeah. now. Change brings a you know a breath of fresh air, so right. you're feeling good. Two weeks into the season, we might not feel the the yeah. exact same way, but time will tell. One last thing on Mike Evans, real quick, on his Insta story the other day. I think it was before Dave Canellis even got hired a, mm-hmm. as the coach, and there was like a video of him, and he said like, "Wait till you see me next year." So yeah. you know, obviously a bit of a down year for Mike Evans. He's really excited for next year. He's hopefully, hopefully uh, Dave Canellis will rejuvenate uh, his uh, his season this year with yeah. uh, more touchdowns and more receiving yards. Right. So, and uh, actually speaking of Mike Evans, uh, our good friend, Luke Easterling says, but yes, I saw that before, Evans and Godwin. Yeah. And actually that's the topic of tomorrow's show. We have to address it just because yes. there's so many rumors out Shout there. Out, not, Luke. not, not really emanating from Tampa or from us by any means, but, but yeah, so tomorrow uh, here's the spoiler. The Bucks aren't going to trade their top wide receivers. That's on tomorrow's show <laughs> on the Peter report podcast at four o'clock. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we, we'll do tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, yeah, we got to so. do tomorrow's show. We'll do tomorrow's uh, show tomorrow. Tomorrow. Let's, uh, let's hear a message from age rejuvenation. And then our guy Layton gave us a super chat during, um, during roll call. So I want to make yep. sure we get to that, get to that too. So here's age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease both for men and women. I was tired all the time. had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Age rejuvenation, folks. It's a word for me. It's a word for John Gilmore. It's a word for a lot of people in the Tampa Bay area. That uh, hey, Listen, I'm, I'm 50. I'm going to be 51 in a couple of, of months. And, you know, I've gotten my testosterone levels. You know, they've decreased over time as I get older. And that's no surprise. It's a natural uh, phenomenon, fellas. It's it's hard to fight that, but you can with testosterone therapy from Age Rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Sign up today for one of their, their free, uh, no-risk, no-obligation, complimentary consultations. Get your blood work done. Insurance will pay for it. They'll check your testosterone levels. And save $500 off your first testosterone therapy treatment by mentioning Peter Report. They've got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. AgeRejuvenation.com. We have a little, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a late roll call here, but we want to thank Dwayne Richardson from yeah, watching you, or listening every morning from Australia. That's great. It's four I'll o'clock see, I'll here. See. Oi, oi, oi. There you go. Uh, put another shrimp on the bobby. That's yeah. so trite thank and tired. You. Thank Sorry you very I had much, to do that. Dwayne. Uh, glad yeah. you enjoyed the show. Yeah, we appreciate that very much. Thank you. And Leighton, we got to get to your $5 super chat. Thank you so much, Leighton. He said, definitely watching. We gave him the shout out before because he was drinking yep. Celsius and he is watching the show right now. He said, saw a report that Seattle's QB coach is out and could possibly join Canales. Uh, any thoughts, guys? Yeah. Well, Canales was the quarterback's coach. So yep. um, if you're talking about the assistant QB's coach, I know there was an initial report when mm-hmm. Canales was interviewing with um with the Bucks, that yeah. if he does get the job, then Seattle's assistant QB's coach would become 
uh, their their regular quarterbacks coach. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Canales is able to kind of bring some other guys from the staff, mm-hmm. you know, into more elevated roles. Maybe right. they see some more upside with the Bucs than they do the Seahawks. I don't necessarily know why, but, yeah. um, I, you know, a coach coming in and bringing in his own guys has happened since the beginning of the NFL right. coaching staff. And I wouldn't be surprised either if Canales is the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator. I'm I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but that's something that's been discussed. And it's not just a pinch pennies or save monies and not hire a coach. But certainly this year, uh, it might be better to kind of work with the quarterbacks hands on in your first year with uh, with the staff. And so what I'm saying is Canales might have an assistant quarterbacks coach, maybe the guy in Seattle that you were talking about, Matt, but he might just do it himself. Uh, just so he can get more hands-on. Oh, and by the way, there's this guy that might get some help from Dave Canales this year. Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Kyle Trask. Yeah, we didn't forget about Kyle Trask. Uh, right now, he's the only quarterback, so of course he's going to benefit. Uh, why? Because there's no Tom Brady ahead of him. There's no Blaine Gabbard ahead of him. The Buccaneers, where they signed Drew Locke because he spent a year in Seattle and has some familiarity with what Canales is going to bring to Tampa Bay. Maybe. It all depends on how Canales viewed Drew Locke last year, if he's got some positive feelings about him, then he could come in and compete for that backup or third-string quarterback job. He does have some experience playing in Denver a little bit. Uh, but I don't think Geno Smith's going to be uh, heading this way anytime soon. Seattle looks like they're going to be keeping him, and, and certainly that's the right call for them. But Kyle Trask, they're, I, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to draft a quarterback this year. I think they're going to spend this year finding out if Kyle Trask, if he, if he has the talent to start. At some point in time, not saying this year, because if they get a guy like Baker Mayfield, Matt, or Jacoby Brissett, or another guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever they get, that's going to be the odds-on favorite to start. Because Todd Bowles wants to win, has to win, et cetera, et cetera. It but has to. <laughs> they, they want to find out if Kyle Trask is the guy before they invest a draft pick and a quarterback. Unless there's a day three guy that they really are enamored with, I don't think that they're going to be just turning the page on Kyle Trask without giving him a fair shake this year. So. Uh, I think they're if you're going to draft a quarterback, probably it'd be in 2024, not 2023. We'll have to see how it goes. But uh, I think right now, Kyle Trask is a guy that certainly can benefit from having, uh, you know, the, the 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 fresh start with Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator. Oh, no doubt. I kind of figured that quarterback was a given. One, there's only one quarterback on the roster right yeah. now. So you knew a quarterback's coach coming in. You knew Kyle Trask was going to benefit from this. And I think the best thing going for Kyle Trask is, um, you know, one, the fact that he has the history of he works his way up. And then when he gets to work with talent, it, it's gone well for him. Yeah. But two, I mean, obviously the defensive coaches and Todd Bowles is there, but this is a fresh set of eyes looking at Kyle Trask. There yeah. may be things from the Byron Leftwich offensive side that they didn't like, but Dave Canales and company yeah. might see that and be like, okay, we can work with this if we just tweak this and we do that. And yeah you know, such and such. So we don't know how Dave Canellis feels at the moment. I don't think in his introductory press conference, he's going to go, yeah, Trask isn't the guy we're going to be looking for right. a quarterback in free agency in <laughs> yeah. the draft this year. I yeah. do wonder though, um, you know, if you bring in Baker Mayfield or someone like that, which they will at one point, let, let's just say Baker becomes the starting right. quarterback. You know, Trask is, only has two years left. And so right. he's not starting for a third year. I don't know. It's, it gets a little dicey. Oh, are, are we going to find out in year four if he's the guy? Let's just say right. Baker's on a one-year deal and it doesn't work out. We really going to go yeah. into the fourth year being like, eh, we don't know with Kyle Trask. No, I, think that's they a, won't. <laughs> I think that's a big, big uh, yeah. question. To, Tony to Saylor has, uh, you know, makes a good statement here. Not drafting a quarterback would be another light mistake. The problem is where they're picking. They're picking a number 19. Uh, I don't know that this team is sold on Will Levis uh, or certainly Anthony Richardson, who has got some real completion percentage issues. They're not going to have the ammunition or the, the the ability to get up there and get either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So those two quarterbacks are you know are basically off the board by the time Tampa Bay is there. Yeah. After that, Matt, we were at the Senior Bowl, and yeah. listen, they're just the, you know the, the answer wasn't there. Hendon Hooker is not going to be ready for training camp, much less by the start of the season with his his ACL injury. So if you draft him. And you're Todd Bowles, and you need to win now. That's essentially a wasted pick and a wasted player. Tanner McKee, I've seen his name from Stanford. Um, I, I'm not impressed with Tanner McKee. Um, Watch them end up drafting him now in the first round. I don't see him as a first round talent, first of all. 
Um, just the wins weren't there. The production wasn't there. Uh, he did a lot of RPO. Everybody talks about how quickly he got rid of the ball. That's because they ran an RPO offense. That's the caveat they're leaving out. Mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. You know, he's probably one of the quarterbacks I like maybe the best, but he's likely to be a third or fourth round pick. So you're not wasting a premium pick necessarily on on him. I mean, then who? Uh, Jake Honer from uh, from Fresno State, 6'1", 200, Stetson Bennett. Clayton Toon didn't do anything to really move the needle at the Senior Bowl. Neither did Jaron Hall, who I thought was was one of the worst quarterbacks there. Uh, Max Dugan, uh, Duggan from, from TCU. Tyson Badgen from Shepard. Maybe he's the day three guy. I don't know. It, it, this just is not a great year to draft a quarterback. And so I know that you may not like Trask and you may not like Baker Mayfield, but there's really not many other options, Matt. This is not a good quarterback class. No, it's not. I mean, it's very top heavy with, with Young yeah. and Stroud. Those are like the top two guys. A- yeah. After that, I mean, if you were going to say, all right, well, you don't have to get a quarterback one, one, you look at, you know, some of the successful teams in recent years, like Jalen Hurts was not a first-round pick for right. the Eagles. I mean, Mahomes wasn't even 1-1. He obviously was a first-round yeah. pick in, in early on. But uh, I think we're kind of learning. Obviously, quarterback's the most important, and nine out of ten times, they're going to go, like, two or three in the top five. But you even saw, like, the Niners. They were able to get to the conference championship game with Purdy. I, I don't think yep. that it's going to change the landscape of, uh, right. Oh, Hey, we can wait until the fourth round to get yeah. a, a starting quarterback. But I don't know what well, I think there's still hope for the bucks, even if they don't draft a quarterback this year or draft one in the first round and take more of a project in the, uh, yeah. in the third or fourth round. I know though, um, if I'm drafting energy drinks, I'm taking Celsius one, one, of course, we can't forget about the vibes that they got the Arctic peach, and tropical vibes. Arctic is one of my favorite Celsius energy drinks that you can possibly get. Also, a lot of other awesome flavors from the watermelon to the orange to the kiwi guava. A um, ton of awesome flavors. If you go to the store locator and punch in your address, you can find out where you can get one near you, which your local bodega or, or bodega. Walmart, Target, other convenience stores. Go to your local bodega, and then when you realize you love Celsius and you want more, get the variety pack. Get it in bulk. I'd recommend uh well, the variety one, because variety is the spice of life. Uh, but you can get in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and get it sent to your house or apartment whenever you want. Every week, month, quarterly, whenever you want it, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. And, of course, if you've been watching the show and you like it, maybe it's your first time watching the show, welcome. Hope you enjoyed it. Do us a favor. Follow us on our social media uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, we are at Pewter Report. And if you like the podcast, if you like the clips that we put up, um, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pewter Report TV. Always trying to get that growing. We put out a uh, video about an hour before the show today on why Geno Smith is not coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I hate having to burst everyone's bubble, but yeah. it's not happening. Um, and if you want to see why, uh, check out that video. We got a lot more videos to come during the week and, of course, during uh, draft season and everything else in between. So uh, that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Out. Go Cats. <laughs>